welcome everyone to a Tuesday edition of Couch Potato Diary, coming to you from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio. Clearwater Cleaning Solutions is your one-stop commercial and residential cleaning company based out of Calgary. They have a fantastic team who are ready to make your life simpler and easier by fulfilling all of your cleaning needs. Check them out online, clearwatercleaningsolutions.com. You can find me online on Twitter and Instagram. I am at primetimecline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. You can email the show, Diary at yahoo.com. Calm. So, we are just hours removed from Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final as the Tampa Bay Lightning are back in the series following a convincing 6-2 win over the Colorado Avalanche. And I know the easy thing, well not the easy thing, but there was a lot of people who were writing the Tampa Bay Lightning off going into this game after getting absolutely thumped in Game 2. And, I mean... A, I have no worries in the series at all. I don't particularly care who wins. I like both of these teams quite a bit, and um, I, I like how they're constructed. I think that either team winning is a positive thing for the National Hockey League. So I'm, I'm not going to get too worked up about really anything um, at this point. But this was one of the things that uh, I think people need to to remember about Tampa Bay is that they're very good. Um, and obviously, they, like, two-time Stanley Cup champions, they have seen everything. And so, to have, like, to have this concern about, oh, well, yeah, the Lightning are done. Yeah, there's no way they can come back from a big loss and bounce back with a big win the next game. Oh, wait, they did that in the first round of these playoffs? Oh, how interesting. Like, it just, I think we we too often just remember what the last thing was, and then it's oh okay, well that that's how this is going to be the whole time. So um, we, we no no need to change anything. Um, I I just really 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 wonder what people thought of this Tampa Bay team and why they thought that this was going to not go their way because it clearly like they bounced back in such a big way and even bounced back in this game like they. They give up the first goal, it gets disallowed, they give up the first goal again, and they're still just, like, right there. And I think leading that charge was um, that top line. Kucherov, Stamkos, and Palat were phenomenal in this game. Um, 11 shots in the game, um, at least in the first two periods. I don't know what they did in the third period. At that point, the game doesn't matter. There is a bit of a scare with Kucherov late. He has to go back to the locker room. There was no update on his condition following this game. Hopefully, by the time you hear this, we'll have a bit more on that, but it's the Stanley Cup final, and we're not going to get a whole lot of information. But that line really was kind of like, okay, hop on, boys. Let's get it. There were other players who stepped up. Of course there were. But I thought that line really had the game that they needed to have. Steven Stamkos, he has been on the sidelines for so much over the last few years because of injuries and everything like that. And for him to just kind of remind everyone, like, hey, I'm still one of the best players in the world, was excellent. And I thought Kucherov was at his playmaking best. And Palat was right there with them. Like, he is kind of the third wheel on this whole thing. But man, oh man, was he good in that game, using his speed to create openings, using his speed to create chaos. And that was the whole thing of this game, is that it looked like the reverse where in the first couple of games, Colorado was just too quick, too big, too strong. This game, complete opposite. Tampa Bay looked like the faster team. They were winning every puck battle, and they were able to slow down Colorado. You didn't get a whole lot of examples where Colorado was able to use that speed 
um, and use that quickness that they have been able to throughout the playoffs so far. I thought Tampa Bay did a wonderful job defending them and then did a wonderful job attacking. Was a little worried about Tampa Bay in the early going because everything was kind of to the outside, right? Like there was a lot of, okay, they've won this battle on the boards, but now they can't really get to the front of the net. And then it slowly started to break through and then that dam burst and they just got to the front of the net whenever they wanted to. Um, Nick Paul clearly battling through some stuff. That was like a gutty, gutty performance. One thing, though, from this, and I get you can't sit everyone. Um, like, it's it's hockey. You have to just kind of roll all four lines and just hope for the best. He probably could have taken a bit more of that third period off than he did. And, like, I, I don't want to say, oh, well, why is Kucherov playing? Because, again, you can't just have the same dudes out there for the last five minutes of the game. It's not basketball. You, you have to cycle through these guys. But I, I wonder if they maybe made Paul grind through a little bit more than he needed to in this game. But that was a such a gritty effort. And it's one thing I called out. Tampa Bay on after game one, the need for the depth guys to step up because in games one and two, it was all the depth guys, right? Like Nichushkin stepping up. Uh, we had Comfort stepping up in a big way. Just go on down the line, new hook making play. Like all these guys, Tampa Bay wasn't getting that. It was okay. Stamkos is playing well. Kucherov's playing well. Palat's playing well. That's about it. Um, and in this game, you got the other guy stepping up. Sorelli with a big moment in this game, scoring that goal um, almost accidentally, um, but scoring that big goal to get Tampa Bay rolling, get him rolling. And I thought he had a very good game. Like I said, Paul had one of his best games that wasn't game seven against the Toronto Maple Leafs. I, I thought in this game, again, that's another part of it that was completely reversed because for Colorado, it was McKinnon. It was Landis Cog, Rantanen, and Makar, like the usual suspects. After that, no one did anything. Comfort was robbed a couple of times, but th there was none of that secondary wave that was coming from Colorado in the same way it was in the first couple of games. That needs to get fixed. The, the big thing from this is we have a series now, right? Like this isn't going to be just a, a victory lap for Colorado coming up here in game four. We have a very... We have a very, very fun series, and it's unfortunate this game got a little blowouty late, but, I mean, credit Tampa Bay for a, a phenomenal, phenomenal performance. Um, I On the Colorado side, late in the third period, or in the third period, they try to put that hero line together. I, I like that you do that. I like the adjustment, but again, after that, like, there was no support for that hero line of Ranton and McKinnon and, and Landis Cog, the hero line references from um, NHL 2004. You, you would have, you'd put your regular lines together and then you would have a break glass in case of emergency line, which is just like your five best, throw it out there. Um, and they had that in this and like that put on pressure, but no one else could. And when they were putting on pressure, Vasilevsky was excellent. He needed this in the worst way possible. Coming off of that, um, coming off of that loss, giving up all seven against Tampa Bay, one people wondering how he was going to bounce back. Again, it's all, and maybe a bit of it is hindsight, because there was a bit of like, oh man, if Colorado gets this one, it's over. But in, in hindsight, it seems insane that we were all counting out Tampa Bay. This isn't Dallas from last year, the, or uh, from a couple of years ago. This isn't Montreal from last year. This is the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions with one of the best goalies to ever play the game between the pipes. And we were worried this team was going to fold. Not a chance. And Vasilevsky didn't. He was a couple of those big saves early in the game to really keep um, Tampa Bay's head above water. Not that they were drowning in it, but just like Tampa Bay was the better team if a couple of those 
quality opportunities goes in, then this game maybe looks entirely different. But I, I thought he played, I thought he played so well. And I just, I can't, I can't speak enough to just the complete nature of Tampa Bay's game. The speed element was there. Defensively, again, that neutral zone was a miserable place for Colorado to be. They could not build up any speed in this game. It was Tampa Bay building up the speed. It was Tampa Bay causing problems with the forecheck in the way we've seen Colorado do in the last couple of games. It was Tampa Bay winning all of the battles. It was Tampa Bay out goaltending Colorado. Everything that Colorado was able to do in the first couple of games, Tampa Bay counterpunched in a big way. And now we are setting up such a massive game four in this series. I, I am so excited. I'm going to be on game over um, Stanley Cup finals or game over finals after game four. So I, I, I can't wait to break this down. I just I, I want this game to be happening tonight. I am so excited for this series. It has been everything that we have wanted this series to be. The main storyline from a Colorado standpoint going into the next one, A, is going to be the health of Nassim Kadri. If he can get back, that would be a big boost to a secondary unit that, as we talked about before, desperately needs it. And also, what do you do in goal? As Kemper gets pulled in this game, Francois comes in. He, in relief of Kemper, won six games in a row. And a lot of people wondered if it was a mistake to put Darcy Kemper in to start the Stanley Cup final. And I am not of that belief. And I'm of the belief you should go with Kemper again in game four. I don't know if you should have the longest of leashes, but this guy was just coming off of a shutout win in game two. And like the Maroon goal probably shouldn't happen. The Sorelli goal is a really tough look, but also that's two guys just able to drive freely to the net. I don't think Colorado defended very well in front of Darcy Kemper, but that was a game that he kind of needed to steal for them. And he didn't, um, and I don't know, like, I don't think Frenzos is doing that either. So quite a few interesting storylines to look at as we get ready for game four. Switching to baseball, Monday, a devastating loss for the Blue Jays. You are coming off of, it's a series loss against the Yankees, but coming off of one of the biggest wins they've had this year, much like the opening night game against the Rangers, where you fall behind big, you're able to come back, the offense is clicking in a big-time way, finally. You, you have Goriel Jr. breaking out with a, a grand slam. You have big home runs. Like, that was that was the type of win that can propel you. And Barrios gets rocked by the, the White Sox. And it's just a, okay, here we... <sighs> Damn. All right, well, that was fun while it lasted. Like, it just, it felt very deflating. That, like, they, you have all that momentum coming off of, that big win on Sunday against the Yankees. Again, all it does is avoid the sweep and get you within 10 of New York. So in the grand scheme of things, it's not like, oh man, another win and we're right there. It's like, there's a long way to go to catch the Yankees. And this is still a team that's in a playoff spot and relatively comfortably in a playoff spot, although it is only June. But that was the type of win that you can really build off of and the type of win that you can start another great run that Toronto used to get back into a spot where they're the top wildcard team in the American League. And this was just a, it just felt so deflating last night. Um, Barrios continues to have like one on, two off, and that continues to be very concerning. And again, I, I will continue to bring up this team needs extra starting pitching help. That story about how Verlander's second choice was Toronto is heartbreaking right now because, oh, he would be perfect. I do think this team needs another adult in the room. I think he would be that, and we'll get to that in a second. But they, they just, they, it's too much reliance on Kikuchi and Thornton and Stripling right now 
Again, nice things to have when they're going fine, not good things to be relying on, and the Blue Jays are relying on them. I do think, and this was something I was actually talking with my dad about on uh, on Father's Day while we were watching the game, this team rides that roller coaster maybe more than any in baseball right now, where when things are going well, they are everyone's joking around, and it's hot, and it's awesome, but when it's going bad, everyone's down, and they're slumping, and it's, oh my god, what are we gonna do? Like, they just... They, they they ride those waves, and just thinking back to last year, they that's where, I mean, the almost 50 home runs for Marcus Simeon helped, but um, that's where I think Marcus Simeon really helped this team, in just kind of being that steady buoy out in the wild waters. I don't know, I'm not a nautical person, but I'm assuming that reference is close to accurate, but... He was that calming influence where, okay, he's not going to get too high. He's not going to get too low. He will barely smile when you put the home run jacket on him. Like, he he was someone who, like, okay, let's let's keep this all in line here. All right? Let's, we, we, we yes, we're winning 18-2. to two. That's great. But let's, let's keep our composure. Yes, we're down 18-2 to two here, but we're still a very good baseball team. Let's keep our composure. Like, he was, he was that. And you think back to those um, 15 teams, like, they've been brought up a, a few times lately with Donaldson playing against the Blue Jays this weekend with the Yankees and, and Russell Martin retiring. And boy, this team could use a Russell Martin right now, you know, because you look at some of the characters that that, that 15 team more specifically, I guess, had with Donaldson and Bautista and Carnacion could do it as well. Again, guys who really want ride that wave and can get really high when things are going well and can get kind of frustrated when things aren't going well. Russell Martin was that guy who was just kind of holding everyone toward the middle and progressing this team to the American League Championship Series. They they need their Russell Martin. They need their Marcus Simeon, I think, in a really bad way. Last thing to, to close uh, another quick show out on today. I haven't talked about this on the podcast yet, but what the WWE did on Friday just absolutely disgusted me. Um, and look, it's not the most disgusting part of the story. It's all big, one big glob of disgusting. So if you're unfamiliar, uh, New York Times, I believe, a report came out saying that Vince McMahon paid a former paralegal, um, I got probably still a paralegal, but former WWE paralegal, um, $3 million in hush money for some misconducts that went on. And allegedly during, you can read the whole report. I don't want to get too much into it because it's, it just sucks, man. Um, But basically, this isn't the first time this has happened. And this isn't the first time there's been inappropriate behavior. And the phrase was used uh, that Vince McMahon would pass girls on to John Laurinaitis like they were toys. And that's disgusting to read. And then you have Vince McMahon is going to step aside as the CEO and chairman of the board. Okay. That is a, a, a sound, logical decision. Stephanie is taking over. So it's basically seems like it is all just um, surface level stuff, which is annoying, but at least they're pretending to do something. Oh, what's that? Oh, Vince is going to stay on with his creative duties. Oh, so basically like nothing is changing. Um, and then he's going to come out on SmackDown on Friday while all these allegations are going on, all these reports are going on. And he's going to go on national television. A, it's just a ratings ploy. Like, it's it's taking advantage of a disgusting situation and disgusting behavior in your culture and using it as a, a ratings ploy. That sucks. I thought it was going to be, like, just a quick off the top, like, good evening. Welcome to SmackDown. My name is Vincent Kennedy McMahon, and we strive to whatever, whatever, whatever. This investigation is ongoing, blah, 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 blah. 
welcome to SmackDown. ACDC plays, Pyro goes off or whatever they do. And it's business as usual. I thought that's what it was going to be. I was bracing myself for that uncomfortableness. And then this asshole comes walking out as if he is the biggest guy on the block with his arms out wide, like, <laughs> crowd is cheering for him, which I will say, like, there were people, like, there were shots of people bowing to him in the audience. That's disgusting. Um, they have been sweetening the audio a lot, so I don't know how much of that crowd reaction was actually legitimate, but this was clearly just a guy who was out there stroking his ego, and... To, to do that was just, that was the last straw for me. Like, I just, I need a very long break from WWE. And it is, it's just, I can't even put into words how frustrating it is to see this type of a thing just get laughed off. And this type of a thing just like, oh, well, we're all together in this, right? It's like, no, 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 no. I'm together with you on literally nothing. You just got, oh, that made me so mad. That you're like, we're all in this together, aren't we? Big, big, happy family. When you're doing just unspeakably disgusting things in your office and things that you have spoken out about against other people doing in the past and talking about how, yeah, look, a TV product is one thing, but that's entertainment. We are, again, all together in this. And it was everything that people who make fun of wrestling think of wrestling all in one, right? Like it's this big stupid sideshow where everyone's just kind of sleazy and gross and the fans are just unwashed knuckle draggers who will just go along with anything Vince McMahon says. And Vince McMahon, the character that you see on TV is actual, the real, actually the real life person. And in just that moment, it was so uncomfortable to be a wrestling fan and it was so embarrassing to be a wrestling fan. And so, yeah, you're not going to hear WWE talked about on here for a while and I don't know what it's going to be that brings me back but um it wasn't that on Friday that that was disgusting and so again it's something we've talked about before we're going to, to support quality professional wrestling on this program and quality professional wrestling companies on this program and I get a lot of the like you dig far enough you're going to find skeletons in almost any closet um but that what we saw from WWE cannot be celebrated, cannot be tolerated, and I, I hate that I even saw a clip of it online. So, not the most upbeat way to end the show, but that is going to close out the show today here from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions Broadcast Studio. They are your one-stop commercial and residential cleaning company based out of Calgary. They have a fantastic team who are ready to make your life simpler and easier by fulfilling all of your cleaning needs. Uh, hoping to have a few more podcasts coming out this week. I will talk to y'all later. I'm out.